Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack. And in this episode, we are going to talk about one psychological principle that's going to help you turn more interviews into offers. It's called the serial position effect. And I'm going to teach you a few steps that you can leverage to use it in your next interview. Now, before we dive in, if you're having trouble actually landing interviews, I'd highly recommend checking out our ResiMatch tool. That's R-E-S-Y match.io. All you have to do is upload your resume and the job description that you're targeting, and ResiMatch will actually give your resume a score as well as feedback on what you can do to update your resume and optimize it for that specific role. It's going to help you land more interviews and cut the amount of time that you have to spend updating your resume. So with that said, let's dive into the serial position effect. So first, I want to explain what this is. And the serial position effect is the tendency of a person to recall the first and last items in a series best, and the middle items in a series worst. So to give you an example of this in action, I might give you a string of numbers, right? So for example, I might say 5, 17, 36, 67, and 2. Now, you may not remember the middle numbers there, but you probably definitely remember five and two because they were at the beginning and the end of that series. So that is a very oversimplified example of the serial position effect in action. But what's it got to do with job interviews? Well, when we think of job interviews, they are effectively a series of events. Your typical job interview goes a little bit like this, right? You start with introduction and small talk. You show up, whether it's on a Zoom call or in person, you know, you shake the person's hand, have a couple of pleasantries, a little bit of small talk about whatever it is, the weather, the weekend. And then you move into event number two, which are those behavioral questions, right? Asking you to tell me about yourself. Why do you want to work here? Tell me about a time you overcame a large challenge or had to work with a difficult person, right? And then event three might be role-specific questions or technical questions or case study questions. And then finally, at the very end of the interview, the interviewer creates some space for you to ask them questions, right? So that is a series of events right there. We just broke down each event in the series. And according to the serial position effect, the best part about this setup is that you have the most control over the events that the person on the other side of the table is most likely to remember. So we think back to that series of events, The introduction and small talk piece is at the beginning, and then the Q&A where you ask the interviewer questions is at the end. And again, you have the most control over those two sections because you have less control over the behavioral questions, over the case study questions, the role-specific questions, everything else that happens in the middle. So that's great news for us because it means that we can actually control the two parts of the interview that the interviewer is most likely to remember. But how do we do that? So let's start with the first event, and that is small talk. This is the very first thing that happens when you meet your interviewer, right? So you hop on the Zoom call and you say hi, or you shake hands, you enter the interview room, and then you toss around some small talk. Nobody's asking questions yet. So you can actually own this part of the process. You can come prepared with a plan. And that is really what this is all about. So owning this part of the process starts with research. Before you step into the interview room, you need to research your interviewer. 
So I recommend reviewing their LinkedIn profile, looking at their professional history. Are they posting anything? Are they sharing any posts? Do they have anything interesting in their about section or maybe in their featured section? What does their headline say? Who do they follow? All of this stuff, I want to look at that. And then I want to go run a search for their name. So maybe I'll use Google or something else, but I'm going to check their social profiles. I'm going to look to see what type of stuff are they posting about? What are they interested in if their profiles are public? I'm also going to see if anything else comes up. Do they have a personal website? Have they been featured? in any articles or blogs? Have they been on a podcast? Have they been part of a video project or whatever it is? What can I find out about them from the small stuff to the large stuff, right? It doesn't have to be a feature in an article in Forbes or something. It could literally be, you know, oh, this person grew up in a town that's 30 minutes away from me, or oh, this person went to the same school that my sibling went to, or anything along these lines that we can leverage to potentially find an angle to build a relationship with this person. So to give you an example of this, when I was interviewing at Google, one of my interviewers was a big skier. And I knew that because before the interview, I went and did everything I just mentioned. I reviewed all of the stuff that I could find about him. And his Instagram feed was basically a collection of trips to the ski slopes. So when we met, he asked me about my weekend plans. And I told him that I was planning to go to Vermont with my friends. I hadn't been skiing in a couple of seasons now. And I was really stoked because this person had a house right on the mountain. We could ski and ski out. And I was just so excited to get back on the mountain. So that sparked a 15 plus minute conversation about skiing and all the different places he'd skied and I skied and what we love about skiing. And this was an authentic conversation, right? I love skiing. I grew up doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do today. I can't wait to get our little kiddos out on the slope. In fact, this past weekend, my wife and I were talking about, you know, how early is too early to get uh, our little guy on skis. So this isn't something that I'm just pretending to like a lot. This is something that is an authentic part of my life and that I get excited about and that I'm trying to build a relationship around. So I think that's super clear. We don't want to come from an inauthentic place. We do want to come from a place of authenticity, but we want to make sure that we're also creating those angles to build a relationship here. So that's the first piece is that small talk. And the more research that you do, the more angles that you come up with, you can start to practice them in your interviews or your networking conversations to see how they play out. So you can build a system for tossing one out there, seeing if you get a bite, and then carrying that through into the actual interview and building rapport. Now, the last event in this series is that Q&A, right? And most job seekers either skip this, they say they don't have any questions, which is the worst thing you can do, or they ask the same old stuff, right? What's your favorite part about working here? Tell me about a day in your life as a, a job title, as an account manager at this company. And those questions just simply aren't memorable. Like, I'm not saying they don't get you information that can be helpful. They certainly can. But I think there are better questions that you can ask to get you great information and help you stand out. So a couple of my favorite questions, three of my favorites specifically are one, fast forward one year from today, let's say you're looking back on this hire, what did they do to exceed every expectation? So this type of question is showing your interviewer that you're really, really interested in knowing what success looks like and where things are going to be a year from now. On your side, you want to understand if the interviewer has a clear 12-month vision for the hire, if they know what this person is going to do to make them successful. And hopefully they have that because that's going to bode well for you. And if they don't, that may be something to explore a little bit further. The second question is, what is the most unexpected thing you've learned while working here? I absolutely love this question because nobody has a prepared, canned answer for it. And it tends to bring up some really, really interesting examples and stories of the culture and of what it's like to work there. So I highly recommend bringing that to the table. And then the third is what goals has your manager set out over the next six months and how could I help you achieve them if I were hired? 
So this is, again, showing this person, hey, I know that your manager has goals for you. And I know that you're going to be happy if you're making your manager happy. So let's talk about how I could help you achieve those goals and make you shine in your manager's eyes. And that's going to make you happy, which is then going to make me happy. Those are three of my favorite questions. But you can you can find a bunch more here. The key is to make sure that you're asking relevant questions. The other thing I would bring to the table here that I didn't encapsulate in those three examples was company specific questions, right? So something along the lines of, you know, in preparation for this interview, I w- I watched this keynote that the CEO gave at this recent conference, and they mentioned this specific challenge. Uh, over the next quarter. So when I did some more research on that challenge, what I found was that analysts are saying in order to overcome that, the company needs to do X. But we didn't really talk about that when you had mentioned how the company is thinking about solving things. Can you talk a little bit more about your views on you know, what the analysts out there are saying might be the solution to this problem? So that type of, of question shows that you've done your research and shows that you're able and willing to dig deeper into these subjects. And that's just going to position you as an authoritative figure on the subject, right? Who, who's able to have these deeper conversations. So those are also great options as well. But don't come to the table and skip the Q&A portion and definitely don't come to the table and ask the same questions that everybody else is asking. The better the questions that you ask, the better the information you get and the more that you're going to stand out from everybody else. So that's it for today. But basically, to recap here, what we're looking to do is own the opening of the interview and the close of the interview, because those are the two events that the interviewer is most likely to remember and are the events that you have the most control over during the interview here. So if you land those, if you nail them, you are going to massively increase your chances of converting that interview into the next round or eventually into that job offer. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next episode of the podcast. 